Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things protocol, violation, and whatever else the ref wants to call this weekend, because uh, I felt like we had a lot of it, and uh, really all weekend long. I'm Weldy, sitting here with Andrew, Husky Hockey Talk, and it's, it was a very eventful week, um, really even starting at the beginning of the week when we got a little bit word more about Kupka's, uh, his absence. And, um, you know, it just kind of was a tale of two different games with uh, the Huskies, uh, you know, losing the uh, first one in, you know, pretty dreadful fashion. And then uh, coming out and really just uh, taking it to uh, Western Michigan and dominating the second game. So it was, um, you know, it was it was it was a, a, a quite of a whiplash weekend, but uh, I was happy to see the team uh, uh, bounce back there on Saturday. Agreed with that. Um, yeah, complete flip of the games as far as, and it, it kind of makes me unsure of like, because Western I thought looked really good on Friday, and the Huskies I thought looked pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But then again, it was sort of the reverse on Saturday. So I'm not sure like which team. What to make? <laughs> what to make out of this week? If, if it's just that St. Cloud laid an egg on Friday. Um, and, and they'll be fine. Or if Western just laid an egg on Saturday, I, I think these are two good teams and it just, um, maybe the split was, was the best, uh, outcome, uh, considering they each played one good game this weekend. And so mm-hmm. I, I was to, to front load the positivity. I thought that that Saturday game was, was one of the more complete wins for St. Cloud this year. And, and again, maybe that has yep. to do with, with, with Western, you know, having an off night, but, um, you know, getting the, getting on the score sheet right away, uh, early, you know, first minute or minute and a half in the game, very sound defensively. I'm ready to say, I I'm ready to go with Bassey as my clear number one. Um, I don't think that will happen, but this weekend went a long way for me to, to say that I think he's, at least I think he should do it in CC because he's got the sort of revenge coming coming back to CC factor. I, I would definitely start him on Friday if he does well. Start him on Saturday again. But again, I don't and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. I don't expect that to happen. But I thought he uh, I, I thought Caster had a rough night on Friday, and I thought Bassey was very good on Saturday. Although he didn't have to save too many shots, just twelve mm-hmm. for Western. But uh, I thought he was impressive. I thought the defense was impressive, especially considering. Spencer Meyer, uh, uh, there's another new piece of news mentioned Kupka appendicitis yep. apparently, or getting it, getting the appendix removed. Yeah. Emergency appendectomy. So, so he'll uh, be missed. Explains be of, why he uh, didn't make the trip yeah. uh, to Denver. So he'll be out of commission for, for a while. And it sounds like Meyer has been fighting and playing through an upper body injury. And it sounds like he's going to be out for a while as well. Uh, you know, this is a team yeah, that Pete- just, just gets Lutke back last week. Now we have another injury with a with one of their better defensemen and captain in Meyer. Uh, but you know you got guys like Reiners and and Zemer play this weekend as well. 
stepped up in his absence. And so that, that Saturday game, I'm trying to front load the positivity because I don't have much positive to say about the Friday effort. <laughs> but the Saturday game, I thought, was excellent for St. Cloud. And if, if we see more of that, especially on the defensive side of the of the puck, um, this team has a, has a chance to, to, to make some noise this year. Yeah. Uh, from what I've been seeing uh, kind of on, on Twitter is that it sounds like he's been battling kind of a back injury or just some okay. kind of a nagging back thing throughout the last couple of weeks. So I uh, decided to, to set him down and, you know, you know, like you said, with uh, Lutke coming back and playing incredibly well, um, you know, it doesn't look like he lost his step at all. It, we've got that a uh, little bit of comfort there um, with that depth in the defensive. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, with obviously Trable and Bushy, they're going to be solid, um, you know, on the defensive defense, <laughs> if that makes sense, uh, portion. But um, like you said, uh, Reiners, Wiley, Zemer, all getting into the mix. And I thought all of them played um, uh, really well there on on, on Saturday. So, uh yeah, coming into that Friday game, looking at, you know, Kupka's out, uh, Meyer is out. I was looking at that. I was like, this is just kind of a bad omen. And I felt a little bit uneasy going into the game. And it turned out my uneasiness was warranted. Um, now, you know, you say you're, you you want to ride with Bassey. And I, I get that. Um, you know, I, it was... I don't think, though, you know, as I was just pumping up the defense, I don't think, I think they got a little bit, I guess, unlucky, so to speak, when it came to a lot of the goals that they scored on the power play. Um, You know, both of those, I thought, you know, we were just weren't able to clear the puck. Sometimes we, you know, whiffed on it or maybe it hit somebody else and doesn't clear the zone or anything like that. And it was those second and third chances that really got them into trouble got the Huskies into trouble and, you know, just seeing Western Michigan kind of come out and just dominate play there on Friday in the first period, it, it was, it was a little bit of a shock and it, you know, as, as play was progressing and going on, I was like, okay, if we can make it out of this period, it's, we're going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. We'll make the adjustments in the second period. We'll be good. And then, you know, that, uh, you know, they get two power play goals uh, there on, you know, those two calls that I just, I just didn't see penalties. And that's where I just, I just thought this whole weekend was inconsistent when it came to that. And obviously I'm not going to be the one to, you know, say that penalties or refs, you know, yeah, obviously have to adjust, but I mean, Jack Rogers called for hooking and then that Sean charging, and then we'll get to the Sean interference when the guy had the puck. It was just like, you gotta like. I wanted to see these teams play five on five. Friday, I didn't get any of that. Now, obviously, a coin. You hit someone in the head, you're gonna get the game. <laughs> you know, so it, it's not. I'm not. You know, saying that all the penalties are bad or anything like that. But it's just, it really disrupted the flow, and it was even more so that it. You know, there was just that little bit of a crack there in. Um, you know, not being able to clear the zone and some of those power play chances that Western Michigan was able to convert on. And it was, it was a gross end to a horrible first period. Um, so that's, they were, they were able to battle back a little bit. And I was always, 
you know, this team doesn't give up. They always keep grinding. Um, but then, obviously, Granger with that uh, last goal, I was like, that's probably going to be the nail. And sure enough, it was. That was a beautiful goal by him, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, I thought, the the one goal that Caster didn't really have any any chance on. That first goal, I, I didn't, I mean, it's just a like a wrister, glove side wrister, which should be the easiest save for a goalie to make. Just move your glove a couple of inches and you got it. And Fulp, who scored it, not an offensive uh, defenseman at all, just his third career goal. Uh, that kind of set the tone, I think. It was coming, and you know, I I agree that there was some over officiating in the first period. Um, I I agreed when you said a lack of flow. It, it reminded me of that second Mankato game, where it was just right off the bat, several penalties called, and I mean, I I thought of the ticky tack variety going both ways, and it sets yeah. a precedent going forward that that you're going to be really picky when it comes to penalties. And I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but it, it I don't know. It, it got to a point, it was actually really um, annoying listening to Rich and uh, Parrish, just, especially the Saturday game. It just was every call that went against St. Cloud. It was just, oh, here we go again. Refs are out against us. I was really close to muting it um, because it was, it, it, it bore, it crossed the line from, um, biased into or you know homer you, you can you can root for your team don't lie to me is what i'm saying and <laughs> I, I i don't think they were being honest with with their with their uh coverage uh as the week went on like you know like you said the coin play and, and a lot of these penalties i thought were were avoidable penalties for St. Cloud, especially if you know that the refs are out to call, call a lot of ticky tack stuff. Don't make it any easier on them. The, the Ashan interference was by far the worst call. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Um, because that's a play that even the charge that he takes early in the first is sort of a reckless play that you didn't really need to make. The, the hit he made on Poland is one that I would want him to make that play every single time. That's a good aggressive play. Yep. It's just sort of a modern hockey thing where you can't blow a guy up in mid-ice anymore. I think there's a hesitancy about uh, concussions and injuries and stuff like that. A shoulder-to-shoulder hit with a guy that had the puck, uh, as you said, how was that interference? It's, it's interference because there's no, there's no penalty for you can't, you can't blow a guy up like that. Like, yeah. It's just the look of it you can't get away with anymore, which I'm frustrated by because I think that's hockey is a contact sport. Things like that happen, and I thought that was a good play by Ashan, and I, I I hope that 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 should be a legal play that remains in the game, and I want a guy like Ashan to play like that. So, but the coin play is completely unneeded. There was the Crookshank yeah. one where where he slaps the guy's stick away, sort of when they were on the power when Saint Cloud was on the power play that negated a power play. It's just yeah, is it the most clear penalty in the book? No. But when you're dealing with a ref team that is is looking really hard to call something, um, don't don't make it easy on them. You know, we can talk about the uh, protocol violation. Uh, <laughs> rewind back to the Bemidji series recap where I complained about that when that when St. Cloud gets that call in their favor, Bemidji takes yeah. that penalty, same penalty. At this point, it's a stupid rule. It has zero it's, it's business so to so be dumb. in the state in, in the sport. 
Zero. I, I honestly could not, I can't think of one good reason. I don't know if it's, I, I, I did, dug some more into it, and apparently there's some claim of you don't want play, extra players on the ice to possibly have a confrontation with the other team. When has that ever happened? I mean, if that's, if that's your basis for doing that, we should get rid of the uh, handshake line. Because uh, go back to the the Omaha and, and Alaska uh, brouhaha from a few weeks ago in North Dakota, Minnesota, all that kind of stuff. I, that's a weak argument. And if it's trying to save any time, that's not really ser- serving that purpose either. So that's a stupid penalty. But at the same time, it's like you guys knew about this penalty. You got a power play gifted to you two weeks ago for this. Just stay on the bench. They're, they're wanting to call this this play. I, I don't know why that message wasn't conveyed to the team to not not do that because uh, that's again just a completely avoidable situation the, so i don't and i just don't i don't want and it felt like listening to the tv broadcast it's like the refs were the the uh, narrative of this game and i thought they were too present in this game i prefer a game with fewer penalties more pace, more five-on-five action, agree with all that. But at the same time, St. Cloud sucked on Friday. And I don't, yeah. think that the, I don't think that the refs were the reason that they lost this game. You can look at the three power play goals. I, I'm looking at seven shots through two periods for St. Cloud. I'm looking mm-hmm. for zero offensive pressure, sustained pressure, until the last, what, four minutes when they pulled the goalie and, and had a two-man advantage there for a bit because of a, a penalty on Western. Um, Prior to that, I mean, probably 10 shots through the first four, 50 minutes of the game, somewhere in that, in that range. You're just not going to win games like that. And credit to Western for playing, you know, one friend that was texting me, I think he used stifling or uh, suffocating, I think was his term. Western's defense uh, did hold St. Cloud in check. And Cameron Rowe, a goalie that St. Cloud, as, as we mentioned last week, lit up last year when he's in Wisconsin – you know, he didn't. He wasn't tested too much on Friday, but he made the saves that he needed to make. Yeah, and when so when uh, Miller scores the shorty, and that was during the coin penalty, making it three to two. I'm almost thinking St. Cloud might tie this one up. I, I've mentioned, you know, like they didn't steal one against Denver. They didn't steal that one against Mankato. If they would have tied it, or they would have got any points out of this game, I would have considered this to be a stolen one because they did not play very well. Uh, and yeah, after that game, it's like you, you need to, to make some sort of adjustments. My, my big beef about this team going back years, even going back beyond the Larson era, but it also including Larson era, and this isn't every game, but I think too often this team is, they're too, they're, they're more of a reactive team or, or a, an adaptive team rather than an assertive team. They try to feel out their opponent uh, rather than dictate, try to dictate that their style of play from the get-go. You know, like they did that last week with Denver. They, they came out and played the first 10 minutes, I thought, really well on Friday night. But you could go back to the Bemidji game. You could go back to this Friday game against Western. Kind of wanting to have the other team dictate the play and then sort of adapt to that style of play. I think the, the worst example of this is the AIC game, where it looked uh, about 50 minutes into that game. Ten minutes to go in the third, they finally kind of said, okay, well, we, we can. I think we can figure how we can beat this, and it was too late at that point. 
again, it's not every game. It's most games that they can, and credit to this team that has a talent to overcome sort of a, that sort of approach. They can win games doing that. I don't think every team can do that. But I just wish that this team could come out from the puck drop and say, no, 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 we're not going to play your game. You're going to play our game, and we're going we're gonna to try to beat you at that. I just thought that's kind of what screwed him from the start on Friday. And Western just got the lead to the extent that it was going to be hard for the Huskies to come back. So, but I thought on Friday or on Saturday, I thought they sort of flipped the script and they, they were the dominant team from the puck drop. So like I said, that's not the case every time. It's usually when St. Cloud loses something like that, where it's, you know, they're just letting them, they're letting their opponent take over and, set the pace. And I think this is a team that is best because not too many teams can skate with them. How many, not every team has the skill advantage on them. I mean, this, these are the good things that St. Cloud does. So I'm just hoping that that can be the case more going forward from here. But so not, 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 not a great Friday, but I thought all the weaknesses that they played on, that they showed on Friday, they sort of were able to, to make the adjustments and reverse that on Saturday. I know that was a big block of text for me, but uh, <laughs> sort of my uh, my initial thoughts, especially on that Friday game. But uh, yeah. how, how are you feeling for on Friday? Any any other stray thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, first off, I tweeted out you know about all those penalties in the first. I I tweeted out that I can't wait till January when this ticky tack calls magically goes away, and that's kind of what I right. felt. And again, I thought that was on both sides too. I felt like it was like they were looking for reasons to call. And not only that, it irks me even more that it's the, in my opinion, it's the wrong ref that calls. It's not the near ref. It's the far ref that says it's a hooking call or things like that. That happened, I think, three times throughout the game. And it's like, you're not the ref to make that call. You know, the nearest ref is supposed to look around the puck and the puck carrier and the far ref is supposed to look at, other players around the play. That's how you cover the basis of making calls. And that didn't happen. And that's what really got annoyed. And then again, slowed the gear, the game down a little bit. And Western Michigan's power play was kind of um, uh, able to, to, to convert the, the thing that <laughs> um, kind of really irked me during that Friday, especially periods one and two is that, you know, like you said, Cameron Rose, it, is a goalie that you lit up. He's a goalie who has very pedestrian stats. Um, and it's, you know, this defense has given up, you know, quite a few goals per game. And I just feel like you get way too cutesy in, in the offensive zone when you do have possession. You know, I made a comment also that Peart, I thought, had a terrible game passing the puck. Um, I thought he had quite a few turnovers throughout the game. And there were many other chances that it was just everyone was trying to make the extra pass or make the extra play. And I don't know how many times I have to say this throughout the season, but I'm going to say it one more time is this team doesn't have the skill for the pretty goals time in and time out. You look at the goals that were scored on Saturday's game, you know, Micah Miller drives the net Crookshank was able there, Johnny on the spot. You had Spellacy, you know, a score. I mean, you you got to find ways to grind it out and just get pucks on net and, you know, get rebounds, create your own chances. But when you try to do, you know, weave fancy passes or, you know, I thought Ingram also on the power play is trying too many of those 
behind the back passes and, um, you know, just not connecting on those. It's like you're trying to get too cute with it when you just, just kind of keep your head down and play it right. Good things are going to happen. So those were kind of my thoughts. Again, I thought, you know, I thought, I thought Caster played pretty well. Um, he does seem a little bit more, I don't know, floppy, I guess, <laughs> when it comes to, he's a little more helter-skelter when it comes to the positioning, um, whereas I think uh, Bassey is a little bit more controlled. Um, but I I think he just keep keep the goaltending rotation going on, um, you know, throughout, throughout the, the next one, because, again, I don't really fault him. You know, even... Yeah, the first goal again, you know, that uh, on Friday probably should have been saved, but at the same time, you know, we did have three or two or three times to try to get the puck out of the zone and you know, we kind of flubbed it on that one. So, it's you know, um I thought, yeah. you know, really the only strong uh player I thought all game was Mike Miller. I thought he had a strong game, but everyone else I thought eh, not so much. So, but Saturday, I mean, completely different. You, you even have a extended five on three that you gave Western, and they ended the period, the first period, with two shots on goal. So it was uh, well, just completely flipped the script, and it was just so refreshing to see uh, the Huskies just take over and just dominate right from the puck drop. Well, and and switching some lines up again on that Saturday game, putting the international line back together, mm-hmm. and then moving Ingram Ingram to, to wing Crookshank, yeah, to wing with the Crookshank Miller line, which I think is a good idea. Um, yep. It's not like Ingram had a great game on Saturday. Don't believe he was on the score sheet, but um, but I like that. I, I would I would rather have him play wing, even though I think he's got he's definitely got a center. He's got center skills, but when he's playing center with guys like Brand and Molinar and the other guys that he's played with this year, I think it's a tough assignment for a you know a young freshman like that to be centering a line like that. And I kind of like putting him on a veteran line, even if it is on the wing. I think that might be a decent move. We'll see if that stays and we'll see how long Mietnan sticks with the uh, Okabe and Granola if, if that line remains together um, and so who knows if that has any if that had any effect as far as changing the momentum for Saturday Spalacy as you mentioned uh, we saw Rosborough for the second time this year hadn't played since that's that first home game against uh, St. Thomas and you know that line you know, at least Spalacy produced the goal there, Rosborough getting an assist. Um, when you say, you, know, you had mentioned it's kind of like Spalacy being on the score sheet itself, that tells you that it wasn't just that same <laughs> offensive, you know, take the shot from the dots mindset. Because if, if Spalacy's going to get a goal, and this was his first as a Husky, we know it's going to be a greasy one. And it, uh-huh. and it was. And you need, you need goals like that. You know, looking yeah. at third and fourth line this year, and that's including Ingram. And I believe this is including the Spalacy goal. It's just 12 points combined for the bottom six players through the first 12 games this year. So, you know, point a point a night from two lines combined, you know, 
you're, you're going to be defined as a team by your best lines, not your worst lines. But, and you can get away with not, not every team is going to be running four lines deep. We mentioned, you know, Denver has that top heavy line, but, you know, their fourth line isn't great either. Their third line might not even be that great. But, um, you know, just getting some more depth from, for more scoring from some of these lines is key. And I, it's tough for some of these players to get some chemistry because especially those players are getting cycled through pretty regularly. You know, we saw, we see a Sean, you know, Risebrow gets his second game now this year. Brand's been sort of moving up and down on the line sheet. Uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, Rogers didn't play on, on Saturday. So we got a lot of different faces, not a ton of continuity. A coin didn't play. Yes, yeah, that's right. And Wonder did not why. Play on Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, and we're sort of seeing bits and pieces of these players and, and, but not a, not a bunch of consistency as far as just from the game to game roster. So it's nice to see, you know, I've, I've kind of been rough on Spalacy at, at times, uh, but if he's going to provide a spark like that, you know, I, there are no, no complaints for me. And, and having this team have those, a variance of scoring approaches, we can have like the snipe that, you know, Crookshank had a great, you know, snipe on Friday night, their first goal, and then the early goal on Saturday as well. You know, we've seen Mietnin, we've seen him when he's at his best, when those shots are going in. We've seen him at his worst, when those shots are tailing wide and self-icing the puck down the down the ice. Uh, so we see, we see a lot of that, but, uh, you know, seeing sort of the more grinded out type of goals too, I think is an important sign as well. So... Yeah, as far as a good a good reaction to a, a clunker on Friday, and it's good that I I, I like it too. Not to uh, toot my own horn, but look back on last week's episode. I I did sort of I had a, I had a bad feeling about that Friday game too, and I thought Western was going to win that game. It was even before we knew about the Meyer injury uh, and even the the Kupka, the extent of that injury, which I do think those are both two big losses. I I. Do hope mm-hmm. that they're going to be back relatively soon. Um, but and it's so I'm I, I'm glad that the good game was the the second game. You know what I mean? Like we're going into the next weekend on somewhat of a high note, rather than if those games were flipped. So I'm trying to to be positive there. But you know, first regulation win of the year for the Huskies in conference. That's important too. It's like you don't want to you're sitting at with just five points. I know you played Denver in there, so. Just getting two points there really isn't anything to to be embarrassed about. But uh, and Western's good too. But um, you need points, you know. And and going into the CC weekend here, I think this is an opportunity that you need to you need to scoop up a bunch of points this weekend. Um, yeah. So yeah, some some good, some bad, some mixed, uh, a mixed bag this weekend. But um, if they can play that that Saturday game, if they can copy and paste that sort of effort going forward. Uh, this team's going to be in decent shape. Yep. I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was all for Ingram playing center because I thought that we lacked center depth. And even looking at Friday, I mean, Sulquist and Spolisi, you know, that's not going to light, you know, the, the centers on fire uh, by any means. So it's, I, but, you know, you know, an incoming freshman and you know getting him acclimated to the speed and whatnot putting him with 
two veterans like Miller and Crookshank, I think is is a really good move. And putting Mietnin up on the top line actually, I think, is doing a lot more for Okabe's game than Mietnin. Um, I, I thought Mietnin overall on the weekend was, you know, pretty um, pretty mediocre, but I thought Okabe had, you know, a much better game uh, generating puck possession in the play on on Saturday. And so I think that opens up a little bit more room for Okabe, who is an incredibly creative player. I don't think I've given him as much credit as I should have when it comes to the creativity aspect. But with me and him on the ice as well, that draws a lot more attention to them and leaves Okabe to make those plays. So that's, I, I think that's kind of an, a thing that not a lot of people are talking about is how much I think Okabe's play is elevated when Bietnam's on that line. Yeah, like I said, you know, I've mentioned that I'm not a huge fan of that line. Like, it's not, I think I put it like. I thought I thought you weren't a fan of the name. Yeah. You thought it was a really forced what, it's, name. It's, it's, it's not as good of a line <laughs> to warrant a, a sexy name like that. But I think, I think it makes the most sense to keep them together. You know, we had the one game with Mietnin and Ingram that sort of clicked against Bemidji. And I'm not against, I, I, I bet I'll just, you know. I'll make the wager to myself here that they'll, that line will be They'll probably move Mietnin off that line again sometime this year, and then they'll probably bring him yeah. back on. I mean, that's yeah. kind of kind of hockey. I mean, you're cycling through lines. There's not every team doesn't have the luxury of having that Denver top line, you know, the, the Mazer Rizzo Dornback line, which is just, you know, it's, it's never going to get broken up. You know, a lot of teams cycle through players and try things here and there, and that's good. That's, that's not a bad thing. Um, but I do think it probably makes the most sense to keep them together because I, I think they have the best chemistry. And so the majority of the time I'm expecting them to be paired together as a line. Um, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, we just have to, I guess we just have to accept the Mietnin experience of he's kind <laughs> of a frustrating player, but he's, he's got the potential to, to wow us. He's got the potential yeah. to, to make us groan. Um, and he's got the potential to make him, make us forget about him too. He he kind of hits all the emotions there, ignorance, bliss, anger, um, elation, (laughs) right. He got everything. It's, it's a real roller coaster, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 uh, I think it can be a a good line for it because even if Mietnin's struggling, I think Cranola and Okabe can, can provide that spark and provide the offense too. So, um, and I do like I do like the idea of Ingram not being locked into center. Like I think that's yeah. his future. I think that's a future for his future for this team is to be a center. But maybe for this year, you know, uh, this is the only year of Crookshank. Last year for Miller, you know, it might it might be decent uh, seasoning for him to learn from some some KG veterans. Exactly. So yep. I'm not I'm not opposed to that uh, either. So yeah. I, I like the, the little experiment there on Saturday with the line shuffling. Yep. And I just want to say one more thing about the refs um, in regard to Saturday's game is the time that I felt like they could have used more involvement, um, you know, in, in the end of Saturday's game, especially on that hit to brand that didn't get a call that I thought was a hit to the head. Um, and they didn't even get a call. They didn't even get to look at it. And it's like, um, you know, I I felt like the game kind of got a little bit out of hand with the chippiness that they refused to call any penalties. I mean, you, th- you make up something to throw it four on four or whatnot, but they 
they, they, they're determined to just let this game go and just have each other, each team hack at each other, which I thought was the wrong call. But I was, I was scared there too, because when that hit happened, Cranola came over to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is Cranola? I thought it was the top line. I'm like, I thought it was Mietnin at first or someone on the top line. I'm like, why is Cranola in that line out at this point in the game? It's four to one game late in the, because I believe that was after the empty netter. Yeah. Cranola. Um, so it's like, you, you need to put this. That's where you put the Spalacy line, you know, to, to kill the clock. This is your, mm-hmm. this is your victory formation. Why are you putting decent play? Not to say that brand isn't an important player. And obviously you don't want to see him get hurt twice two weeks in a row now that he's been involved in a play that a lot of people think a major was warranted. I, from the replay that they saw again, Gino Parrish was just like, this is a clear head hit. I, I didn't see the head hit from the angle that they were, that they were at. And it sounded like Larson thought it was a borderline play and that's why they didn't challenge it. So I, but I, I, I didn't, I don't think I saw the best angle of it either. It could have been. And again, it's one of those plays where, like I said, late in the game in, in garbage time, which is what that was. Yeah, that, if this was 15 years ago, uh, there would have been there would have been an ex- extended sort of 10 minutes sort of everyone's got their gloves off and sort of just, you know, hugging each other, hug, you know, the, the bear hug kind of yeah. scrap going and Marco Hunt. It, it would have been out of hand because he would have been <laughs> refing and yeah, there would have been some some fisticuffs and it would have been everyone would have went home about 10 minutes later. But I uh, did. I think four people listening to this podcast are going to appreciate the Marco Hunt reference. <laughs> the Marco uh, Hunt name drop that you just I, did. Yeah. I had a colorful nickname for him back in the day. <laughs> uh, it's not my, not my favorite. And it seemed like he would always get the Gopher St. Cloud games. He would always get the biggest games for St. Cloud, too. And it, it would seem to always spiral out of control. Mm. He did not did not seem to have a good grip on the game. But let's get back into 2022. Back, back uh, to now. Yes. Um, yes. So, I mean, looking big picture here, um, we had, you know, this stinker of a loss. We had uh, a stinker of a loss against Bemidji. And then we had you know, a pretty decently played loss to Denver. Um, you know, so right now, sitting at 9-3, you told me at the beginning of the season we'd sit at 9-3. and three. I'm ecstatic. I, I would not Agreed. have guessed nine and three. Um, if you would have told me that we'd be nine and three and two of them, the St. Cloud looked just abysmal. Um, I, that even gives me a little more positivity. The fact that we beat ourselves more than I thought those teams beat us. Um, Yet I'm still not quite a hundred percent about this team. I don't know. I don't know why I'm not. I like everything on paper tells me I should be more excited, but it's just I feel like it's just something a little bit missing, and it's kind of driving me a little bit nuts. Yeah, you know, I've the the bit that I've been doing is sort of my percent meter of confidence. I, I think after the Denver series, I was at seventy nine percent as far as like this is for Saint Cloud to make the NCAA's. Mm. This was more of a a neutral weekend. After Friday, it would have gone down a couple of ticks. But then it probably recovered most of that loss uh, on the Saturday game. So, yeah, let's maybe take it up a point, let's say. Because I, I, I do think Western's going to be decent. So I think that Saturday game 
could be deemed a quality win when the dust settles. Uh, and it'll be the only time uh, you play a West. A team West, under so. consideration? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Again, going back to 2008. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, let's put it at about 80%. I get where you're coming from, though, because, you know, if we think back as the beginning of the year, what were our question marks about this team? Goaltending, probably being number one. Did we mm-hmm. expect that Bassey is going to have, what, 930 something save percentage and that Caster is going to be pretty close behind? I, I don't think that we would have thought that in our wildest dreams. Um, no. And. I thought we had good high expectations or maybe not high expectations. I mean, you did the the poll the other week about is Crookshank going to outpace Fitzgerald's point total from last year. Is that a question that we would have posed at the beginning of the season? Or if we did, would we have been confident that he was going to have, let's say, a 40 point season, which is pretty much what he's on pace for now? I don't think so. I, even though I thought that that's a good pickup, I, I didn't think he's going to be that good of a player. And yeah. Uh, and he's still, I mean, I don't know if we want to get into our Husky or go Huskies woo player of the weekend. Spoiler alert. He's my player of the weekend for this weekend too. I think that's number three for him this week, this year for yeah. from me. And I know you guys, I have picked him multiple times too. It, yeah. So I didn't expect to see that. We certainly didn't expect, again, we had positive, uh, you know, Hey, good. You know, some hopes for a guy like Dylan Anhorn. And I know he's cooled off from that first couple of weeks where he was, you know, leading the country and scoring. Uh, obviously, that wasn't going to sustain itself. But you know, so that seems like a, a, a hell of a pickup too. So there might be some over uh, performing from some of these guys early in the season, and it's just the the question now is 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 that what what we should expect the rest of the way, or do we expect a sort of regression? Uh, to the mean with some of these players. And I don't know, seeing as the the one thing that I would be more confident about this team, like it'd be closer to 90% if the NCHC, if I was confident the conference itself was good. Maybe that sounds backwards, but the oh, reason I okay. say that, well, the reason I say that is you're not going to have the benefit of playing in, like, as far as from a, like, interconference record and then hence sort of a pairwise perspective. I don't think the NCHC is going to be the strongest conference this year. Um, they're third right now in interconference records and we've played most of the non-conference games. So my point there is you're not going to get six teams in like the NCHC has in the past. You're not even going to get five teams in, which is what they did last year. You might only get three teams in. And because of that, you don't have the the strength of schedule isn't going to be jacked up to the extent that it has in years past where a team like, you know, what it was last year where their record, you know, was only a few games over 500, but they were so strong in pairwise because they banked a bunch of wins because the conference was so good. You don't have as much of a wiggle room uh-huh. with the conference being a little down and that, you know, that could change, but it probably won't because like I said, the non-conference is basically done. There's only a handful of games uh, from here on out. So you just don't have, you don't have the, uh, the luxury of, of losing a bunch of games. But if this team can just take care of the take care of business versus the teams that they should like this coming weekend against CC, it's a weekend that you yeah. need to take majority of the points. Um, when you're playing Miami, you know, you're playing Miami four times, you should beat them four times. 
I mean, you could probably beat them three times and that's not going to kill you, but you should beat them four times. Like these are the teams that you need to beat. And because you've, you've banked a win, albeit an overtime win, but you've banked a win against Denver, banked a couple of wins against Mankato. You still play the Gophers. You have an opportunity there to, to take one or two, uh, you know, wins there, which will be good pairwise wins. So, I mean, there'll, there'll be opportunities um, to get good wins. And I, so I, I think if they take care of business, which might mean a disappointing loss here or there, those aren't going to completely sink them. They've, they've built themselves some equity here, but I'm not so sure a combination of I'm still not sold on the team, like continuing this pace, um, considering the questions that we had coming into the year, but also you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt of playing in, in the NCHC, the, how the, how the conference has traditionally been so strong. It's a step down from that. I think this year, so I'm still like, yeah, let's at that 80, 81%, let's say. So gotcha. try, trying to try and remain confident. Like you said, coming into this past weekend that you looked at this Western series as a big test for St. Cloud as far as can they handle, i.e., can they take a majority of the points against Western, which you kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, kind of summarized them as a, a good but a team that you should handle on home ice coming from St. Cloud's perspective. Yeah. Um, and I sort of pushed back and saying that I think that Western was a little better than perhaps you were surmising. Um, I'm looking more at this coming weekend. Yes, it's a road series, but NCC's, you know, third place in the conference. <laughs> um, but this is a team that I think you need, I, I think you should beat twice. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't, I'll, I'll be more worried about it than this split against Western. Uh, even though you may, have, you may have been disappointed, you know, coming into that series, if you had said they're only going to split sort of fails your at least four points test. I'll be more panic stricken with a split uh, in the Springs. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you know, and my whole point was like for for Western, you know, the series against Western. It's like if you want to be in consideration for being a top team in the league, yeah, you. I I think four points would have cemented that. Now, obviously, that didn't happen with how the game went on went on Friday and how terribly we played. So that's kind of what gives me still some optimism going into is that again, I think. You know, of the three losses, two of them, we beat ourselves more than the other team beat us. So that's kind of where I'm sitting. You have Crookshank. Um, I was going to pick Crookshank, but actually I switched my mind right before um, Go Huskies Woo gave us his answer for um, uh, player of the weekend, the POW. And... And, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with him. I'm actually going to go with Micah Miller. Okay. And I hey, think he's on, my, um, he's on my mind. He's a candidate. Yep. And the, the, the big reason why is a, um, you know, that shorthanded goal really had a chance to give the team life and it did give them life. Um, uh, but, um, you know, it was just one kind of little bit of a breakdown and a heck of a play again by CC to, to make that back to a two goal game. Um, 
but he also again he drove the net he was a spark plug right for the first uh right from the onset of uh saturday's game that had the huskies not look back so i think it was just a strong micah miller type performance from him and that's why he's he is my player of the weekend and go huskies woo as well um so we both have him but shout out shout out again to saturday on on that defensive squad you know i think peart and bushy uh, paired together, I think that's a good combination. Um, you got the reliable defenseman and the, um, you know, a little bit of a wild card there. Um, Ludke and Anhorn, I thought were tremendous together, and um, I thought Zemer as well. I thought Zemer had a had a really good game in the limited ice time that he's had so far this season. Um, that you know, no fault I think to him that he's not getting. It's just that uh, right now we've got quite the depth there on the blue line um, where we can be out a, you know, three-year letter wear and really dominate and not allow, you know, what do we allow? Six goals in two or six shots in the first two periods? Seven, Um, I think. Seven? Or, yeah, something like that. Definitely under ten. Yeah, it was six shots, two in the first. And again, that two had a lengthy uh, five-on-three power play, which could have turned the game, right. you know, kind of kind of the other way around. So that's, um, yeah, and again, going into going into CC, that that defense, rege- revenge game for Bassey and Crookshank. I don't know yeah. what the ill will is towards CC or if there is, but, um, you know, you still want to really show up your home ring. Let's, uh, well, let's transition wanna, into that. Oh, well, a couple, a couple of just random spare thoughts here at the end. Um, Cooper Wiley, uh, I found interesting getting some power play time, um, which I, I didn't expect, but he's a player that I, I've been. <laughs> to be fair, enjoying. there were a lot of people on the power play. I'm like, oh, okay, Solquist. Why not? <laughs> just going to get to him. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get to him. Kind of scratched my head when I saw that. And then he was on the extra attacker time as well. Yeah. I, I just think that the, the thing is that I think they need, they, they really want a guy to park in front of the net and get a greasy goal. And there's really no one that's been taking that role by the horns. Like, But, but you also, know. you'll look through this roster, too, of who's out there. Who are you going to put on instead? And it's right. like you need two lines of power play. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, I you guess know, you could yeah. put Pert there in front of the net, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you had Solquist and um, Molinar. Molinar. Um, you know, these were you know, pretty prolific junior scorers um, you know, in the USHL in their junior days and hasn't just hasn't quite clicked yet at the college level for them. So I'm. I'm wondering if those are the guys getting, you know, we've seen Molinar getting some chances on, on power play and, you know, some top six action from time to time over the last couple of years. I, I think these are guys that the coaches coaching staff is expecting to, to break through. And they just quite haven't done that yet. Still is time. I mean, look at Kupka, you know, he, it took him a while to emerge too until this mm-hmm. year. So still confident that they can get something out of those players and I'm fine with them trying some new things, but just, and maybe, you know, Meyer being out too. And, you know, Cupka obviously being out, as we mentioned, you, you got to try some new personnel on yeah. some of these units. So I'm, I'm not complaining. I was just, especially seeing Wiley on power play. It's like, you know, I'm 
surprise. Still, like, I'd like I, to see. I'd like to see more Miller out there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. So, let's uh, transition over to uh, the CC series. But uh, first, we want to take a little bit of a break uh, here, and a uh, quick word from our sponsor. So, take yes. Away. Yes, we, we do have a sponsor today. Uh, today's podcast is brought to you by Gritty St. Cloud. Gritty St. Cloud is the premier van tour in the St. Cloud area. We all know the beautiful aesthetic spots of St. Cloud. You know, Munziger Gardens, the quarries, Munziger Gardens. Gritty St. Cloud doesn't take you to those spots. Gritty St. Cloud takes you to the parts of this spacious city that are really real. The parts that have true character. The parts that have grit. We're talking about Lincoln Avenue, north of Vals. You've seen those scrap metal recycling centers from behind the fences. We here at Gritty St. Cloud will get you inside those fences. We're talking about the industrial train depot at Cooper Avenue. You've been stuck in traffic waiting for one of those backwards moving trains to clear 25th before. Now you can meet and shake hands with one of those very same train conductors. We're talking about St. Cloud Prison. We're talking about SCSU's K-Lot overflow section. We're talking about sewage companies. We're talking the full length of Division Street, all 29 traffic lights during a weekday mid-afternoon. We're talking gritty. You ready? Give Gritty St. Cloud a call at their toll-free number at 1-800-STC-VANS. That's 1-800-STC-V-A-N-S. Come join us in one of our top-of-the-line fleet of Chevrolet Astro Vans, each operated by a licensed driver. If you mention this ad, you'll receive a free bush light on your first tour. And remember to enter our monthly drawing for a free Gritty St. Cloud Polaris jacket. It's the grease. It's the sweat. It's Gritty St. Cloud. Well, I mean, you can't really argue with free bush lights. So please give uh, give Gritty a call. Gritty, Gritty St. Cloud, thank you so much for that sponsorship. I was really intrigued by this, you know, being away from St. Cloud for a little bit. I've missed some of St. Cloud, and I've certainly missed some of the grittiness. Um, I, I maybe the next time I'm in St. Cloud, I might uh, hit up Green St. Cloud. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Colorado College and trip to Ed Robson, Robson, Ro- Rob, Rob, Robson, Robson. Uh, uh, and uh, Colorado College has been. You know, kind of a team that, uh, you know, was absolutely terrible and seemed to kind of be on the upswing now. Uh, sitting here, five, six, and one record. Uh, two wins in the conference here. Uh, one win against Minnesota Duluth, one win against Miami, and then uh, a shootout win, uh, their other game against Miami. So it's, um, again, if this is a team, if, you know, this, this is where we got to make up, you know, make some hay with the points. And uh, take care of business, even though it's on the road. It's it's going to be a game where uh, St. Cloud's going to need to to uh, to really show up. Uh, what do you kind of see? What do you when you're looking at uh, Colorado College, and uh, what do you look forward for the Huskies for this weekend? Yeah, as I mentioned, you know the the goal here is six points. Um, I'm I'm not saying all six or. Or or nothing, you know. I'll be disappointed without six, but I'll be disappointed with three or less. I'll put it that way. Um, and yeah, CC is they're very young. I believe they're the youngest team in the in the conference, which is strange. And you look at like the Big Ten and 
you know, this is a team CC at least with with uh, Mayot behind the bench. He's known as being a, an excellent recruiter, and he's been able to bring in some some decent high end guys recruits. Uh, but you know, usually the youngest team, you, you think it'd be like a North Dakota or a Denver um, from from this conference, and instead it's you know seventh place usually perennially seventh place CCs being the youngest team. And they were very young last year as well. You know, we've mentioned the last few weeks, I think we said it with uh, Western, Denver, Bemidji, Mankato, pretty much, yeah, those last four series, you know, their top three or four scorers all leaving over the offseason, either signing pro deals or seniors and graduating. Gra- graduating. Not the case with CC, just because they were so young last year, they're returning most of their scores, uh, their, their, their top scores from last year. The caveat there is that their top scorer last year, you know, had 21 points. Um, this is sort of the Wisconsin situation where, yeah, they were returning some young guys too, but it's not like these guys were, were lighting up the score sheet um, last year and, and so far this year as well. Hunter McCown. Or their, um, that was their leading scorer last year, 21 points. He's got 10 so far this year and, and leading the team with seven goals. They got four guys right now with 10 points, McCown included. Of their recruits that they brought in. Um, That's, and quickly about McCown, yeah. who's leading the nation in power play goals. Yeah. With yeah. seven. All seven of those so goals. So all seven of his play. goals has right. come on the extra, uh, uh, coming on the man advantage. Yeah, 36 goals for CC, 17 of them coming on the power play. I mean, that's almost half their goals coming on uh, coming on with the man advantage. So key uh, spot for St. Cloud this weekend would be the penalty kill. We saw that, you know, giving up three power play goals on the Friday game against Western. Need to clean that up uh, against CC this weekend because if you do, you're negating almost half their scoring, at least statistically so far this year of their recruits that they brought in i'd say the biggest was in goal ten- in their goaltender uh, caden Barico, who was the uh, goalie for the u.s in the world juniors that played in august it would have been the rescheduled from the 2022 uh world juniors and he didn't he played the majority of the action for for the americans and got off to a bit of a rough start, uh, but has been playing very well in conference play. And he was sort of sharing time with Matt Vernon. We've seen him over the years for CC. They were kind of doing a, you know, a bassy caster, a bastard uh, type tandem um, in that first month of the year in non-conference. But since uh, the conference schedule has kicked off, Imberico has been the guy starting and playing in all four games uh, for CC in the conference slate and played very well in those games, just giving up four goals total uh, in those four games, uh, including a, a shutout of Duluth uh, on Friday, the 4th of November. So he's sitting right now at 929 save percentage. Um, and you can factor in, like I said, the uh, Miami series last, you know, Miami's not great. Duluth off to a, a rough start this year. So before that, you know, like St. Lawrence uh, hit him pretty hard. Um, Arizona State did as well, so he can be scored on. But a goalie that St. Cloud has not seen 
to date. So, um, and I'm expecting him to get, I mean, if he's started all the games for saying, for CC in the conference, I'm expecting him to, to do that this weekend as well. Perhaps you might see a, a Verdon start in there as well, but Verdon sort of off to a, a rougher start, save percentage at 887. So, um, I'm expecting Iberico to be the guy and he was sort of their, their blue chip, uh, uh, recruit coming in. But then also on the forward side, Noah Laba, who was uh, drafted by the Rangers in this 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 last uh, draft over the over the summer of 22, and he's already got six goals uh, and 10 points on the year for them, and so he's a he's a guy that you need to to keep an eye on as well. Um, but you know, as we see, you know, Brian Yoon is a defenseman. He's he's a graduate student. He's believe their their captain been around for a while. I think you were the one that mentioned he was, he played, uh, um, <laughs> what was it? What was the, was it the third place game he played? Yeah. He, that, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's that old. He played yeah. the last, yeah, he's that old that he played in the, the last, uh, third place game. Right. Uh, of the NCHC, which I mean, you pointed out as well that, uh, Crookshank played in that game. Um, right. And then there was somebody else also that played in that game. Yeah, but I mean, other than him, you've got. I'm thinking. I'm looking at two other, three, three other uh, senior skaters for them. So you could, that just gives you an idea of the youth of this team. Saint Cloud has the age advantage, the experience advantage. Guys like Crookshank, maybe they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder. I bet you Bassie might. Um, I'm. I'm. This is all just intuition, but. The fact with you getting getting Embarico coming in, uh, he might have been told directly even, or maybe just took the hint, Bassie. I'm talking about that. Hey, the new kid on the block's gonna he's he's the, gonna get the majority of the time. So uh, I, I want a starting job. I don't want to be sitting as a reserve here in CC. So I, maybe he has some extra motivation uh, this weekend uh, coming back to CC. And, uh, but I, you know, I think the Huskies, they can't underestimate the, the Tigers. I just, CC's from what we can tell so far this year, just and the same with last year, struggling offensively, you know, even with a good start in the conference here, let's not forget they, they took five points from Miami, but they only scored three goals in those two games. And we're talking about a Miami team who gave up what 13, 14 goals to Western the weekend before. So I think St. Cloud can score on this team. Uh, and uh, again, you can't take them lightly, but I do feel that this is on paper a, a good matchup for, for the Huskies. And I'm expecting them to, uh, to do so. It's, I, I, in, some, in some cases, like, yeah, they're not, they're not as bad as Miami, obviously, because they just beat Miami this weekend. Uh, maybe they're not even bad as as bad as Omaha. Maybe they're not even bad as Duluth. Who knows? They, Duluth, they already knows? they already beat Duluth. But these are these are those kind of games where I'm gonna get antsy here if if we're in the second period and St. Cloud's like tied or down. Like I'm gonna be starting to like crossing my arms and just waiting uh, impatiently for St. Cloud to take uh, control of the game. Again, I don't think a loss here is going to kill them necessarily, but might coming at the end of the year. So I don't know. I just want to see a good effort. Like I mentioned earlier about St. Cloud not being assertive, as an assertive team as I'd like them to be. 
here's a, here's a team that you're, you're playing a team that's a young team. You've got all the you've got the skill advantage. You've got the age and experience advantage. Um, you need to dictate the play here. Uh, make make these kids sort of uh, get a little befuddled as far as how do we play with these guys? Uh, scramble up their system a little bit. Uh, use these things to your advantage and, and, and show me that you can take advantage and take control against a team that you should. So that's, maybe yeah. those are high expectations, but, you know, this is a team that, and a program that I think is setting their expectations high. So I think we should hold them that standard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> looking at that Miami too, I mean, it, it was 12 goals here last weekend or two weekends ago against them or that uh, Miami gave up and to only score three against them. I mean, this is, yeah, this is a team where, uh, you know, St. Cloud needs to just go out, take care of business. Um, at the beginning of the season, I don't know if you remember when I talked about, you know, kind of how much I liked the Husky schedule and how much is that we don't really have a murderer's row. You know, we've got yeah. kind of, a, you know, some, some good teams and then we kind of maybe, you know, maybe this is a jerk way of saying it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of a breather, a little bit of a, okay, you know, we, we don't have, you know, kind of a back to back to back of like, uh, you know, the top three teams and, you know, you know, we just got done with Denver. Um, I thought Western Michigan would be better than they are, but still, I mean, we did just split with them. And, you know, okay, we get Colorado College. So then we're going to have North Dakota. So we're going to ramp back up. And then we're going to have Miami. So we're going to kind of go in this little wave here. But, you know, these conferences, you know, if you're going to be in contention there for the Penrose at the end of the year, it's, you know, you got to take care of your business against the Colorado Colleges and the Miamis. And, you know, those leaving points on the table puts you into a really big hole. Um, just like Minnesota Duluth did when they uh, when they split with um, uh, CC earlier, so it's it's a you know it, it, it's it's just that situation here where you know we just got uh, we just got done with Denver. We got um, you know kind of a Jekyll and Hyde weekend out of the way with Western. But, you know, winning on Saturday, like you said, that's going to give us, I think, a little bit of a boost of, okay, this is what we have to do week in and week out. I expect nearly the same lineup going forward since we know both um, uh, both Kupka and Meyer are probably going to be out for this weekend yeah. as well. And maybe even, I mean, maybe even until uh, the holiday series, maybe maybe until Minnesota, who knows? Right. So That's probably what I would guess. I mean, you just got the three series after this one factory getting a, a week off uh after thanksgiving but then you have two series in early december and then the christmas break i would almost expect that both of those players are just going to be out until yeah. 2023 and there's no reason to really rush meyer back if the defensive core is gonna you know keep yeah. doing what they're doing here so yeah you want your captain on the ice i mean i think he's yeah. he brings more than just his what what he brings on the ice but you know, he's still going to be with the team, I assume. I mean, he can still oh, sort yeah. of be the cheerleader, I guess, in the, in the clubhouse. But always nice to see him on the ice. I, you know, his injury could have fooled me. He didn't look like he was playing injured. Um, you know, he's not a guy that is 
you know, his offense is not his number one priority. He's a defensive defenseman at heart. I I didn't. I, I it's not like I thought. Boy, yeah, Meyer's been been playing pretty bad. I I he's been pretty good in, in my book this year. So mm-hmm. being able to to play through that injury, he was able to fool me. But let's yeah. hope that he uh, let's hope that he uh, makes a speedy recovery here, and obviously Kupka as well. Yep, exactly. So, um, well, that's pretty much all I got here about the uh, Colorado College uh, series. Did you watch any other games over the weekend? Did you uh, catch yeah. around? What 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 kind of caught your eye in the uh, the world of college hockey? Well, we uh, we lost a Brown voter. Um, with their what, I did one, I did watch a little bit one. of uh, I did watch <laughs> a little bit of their game with Quinnipiac on uh, what is it Saturday I think or Friday one one of the two. Um, Browns actually got some decent uniforms. It's like a brown. They kind of got a bowling green thing going with the brown and orange kind of thing. Oh, oh, I forgot so. to say. Uh, last uh, Colorado College last time that they beat St. Cloud was apparently in 2019. Okay. According to, to uh, yeah, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I can't remember that. Oh, it, yeah, no, that would have been the 1920 season. They swept them. Yeah, uh, I, so I was, th- I, I was thinking the the year before the 1819 season where St. Cloud CC was the only team to not lose to them at St. Cloud. St. Cloud tied one and then tied them. And that was their only non-win in their home schedule that year for St. Cloud. Um, but yeah, th- that year after, it was that CC sweep. It was like, oof, this, that was sort of the, yeah, this is going to be a, a rebuilding year. Um, yeah, that was a rough series. Um, so yeah, it's been a while and, and since they've, uh, since CC has, has taken one from them. So thanks for reminding <laughs> just, me about that awful series. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was November 16th, uh, 2019. Uh, St. Cloud lost 5-2. to two. And guess who got a major penalty that weekend? That game. Would have, Chase Branch. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> going to say Crookshank, because he would have been... Yeah, he would have still been on CC then, right? Pretty sure. Yeah, if he would, if he would have been in that third place game the year before, then he would have yeah. still been on. He would have still been yep. on CC. Actually, I think but that the, the, the Chase Brand, bells. who was the recipient of two headshots over, although I didn't think that last weekend was a headshot. The, this last one was though. But oh, Nick looking. Halloran. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that was a he was good. Series. He was good. Yeah, yeah. I actually think from now I'm remembering the alarm bells for that year was actually the Princeton series. Should have been like a couple of weeks before that, where Princeton beat them and tied. St. Cloud played Princeton in a four-game series, you know, home and home over two years, and St. Cloud didn't mm-hmm. beat them once. Yeah. Uh, and Princeton was, at least that year, the year that they came to St. Cloud, they were terrible. Uh, they, they won single-digit wins that year. Um, and that was the real sort of, oof. And, and then I think the CC win, or the CC series sort of cemented that. Well, let's not talk about that team anymore. <laughs> uh, it was not... Not, not, no good memories from that. But uh, as far as the uh, around the country, um, we we hyped it this last weekend, and I think it it it, uh, it lived up to the hype. Providence and UConn. I watched that Saturday game, some of the Friday game, but most I watched most of the Saturday game because it was the only game going on uh, at that time, early uh, afternoon tilt. 
and uh, six to six. Uh, you know, they both went to shootouts. UConn won both of those shootouts, and so. But that six to six game, Providence getting out to three nothing lead. UConn tying it, then kind of goes back and forth. Providence six to four with like three or four minutes to go. UConn ends up tying it. You know, goal with about three minutes to go, and then a goal with like four seconds to go. Four very, seconds left. Yep. Very uh, exciting finish. Um, and so I, I think both of those teams are are for real. Um, and looking like I said, looking like you know with the NCHC down a little bit this year, Hockey East definitely back up. Is is been. hockey is hockey East? Are they getting are they getting five in? I mean, they might. I mean, <sighs> we saw That's... BU uh, have a good weekend against UMass, and I think UMass, UMass is going to be helped by that Denver sweep. Um, mm-hmm. UMass has not been playing very well uh, the last few weeks, but uh, trigger warning here: I'm going to talk about early season pairwise. Um, UMass, I think, is still sort of in the top 15 in pairwise. Um, and that's got to be mostly attributable to the fact that Denver, that those, those wins against Denver are going to pay some dividends for them. So, yeah, BU seems to be doing very well. You know, but, UMass- I mean, also with UMass, like, yeah, uh, those are two losses to BU. And then before that, that's two losses to Providence. I mean, right. those are... Yeah, uh, those aren't those bad losses that are really going to hurt you. And right. Even so that so you that had overtime pro- loss before to Miramac, you know, the week before. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, it, yeah, hockey's so, pretty mean, good this year. So I'm just counting the teams that are doing well so far. BU is off to a good start. Providence and UConn, as we mentioned, both off to very good starts. UMass Lowell is off to a good start. Um, Miramac, as you mentioned, is ranked and, and is on a bit of a roll now beating uh, Maine in a couple of games this past weekend. Again, playing like it was able to watch some of their game on Friday. They played like a Friday, but in like 4 PM Eastern time against Maine. It's like, I, I, I don't understand the Miramac schedule right now because they're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Friday afternoons, Monday. Maybe they are doing the bit Boise State thing, like they want the attention because I'm baffled by that. But so um, but they're here, doing fine. Here here are their next few Miramax schedule. They play Thursday, uh, then they play Tuesday, then and they play all, the. F- these the are all following games of theirs. These these aren't on the road, are they? Thir- Thursday is at Sacred Heart. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is so random. So. Uh, and then yeah, Tuesday home against Holy Cross, home against Connecticut. Mark that on your calendars. The 29th, Tuesday go. the 29th. So let's fire up ESPN Plus for that one. And I'm not even facetious. Like like honestly, that might be a that might be a, a heck of a tilt. You tell tell me at the beginning of the season that I'm going to be interested in a Miramac Connecticut game, but here I am. Yeah. Then after yeah. that, Friday the second, then Wednesday the seventh. <laughs> Saturday the tenth. It's just all a bunch of one shots and just kind of helps your skelter. Looks like second team. half of the year. Second half of the year, it sort of settles into Friday Saturday action. It's what it is in January. They have one Sunday game in February, but looks to be Fridays and Saturdays from after the new year. So again. If if anybody knows what the scheduling conflict or the reason that they're doing this first half schedule like this, I, I'm just more uh, 
intrigued than anything, but they're having a good year. You know, BC seems to be down. Um, you know, some of these traditional powers, New Hampshire, you know, they've not been very good of late. They're not, not off to a hot start. Maine too. But we've mentioned five or six teams there that are all going to be certainly in the running and perhaps they're, Five teams are going to make it in. Certainly in in the ballpark of. Uh, yep. And I don't even do that. And I might have missed that. I don't know if you said Northeastern. Oh yeah, I think I forgot them. You know, they got yeah. maybe the best goalie they're, in the country. So yeah, um, so they're they're sitting right now overall at six three and three. Yeah. So yeah, can't forget about them. Man, they, they they might be getting a lot, especially with NCHC down. I I predicted at the beginning of the year that NCHC would only get three teams in. Did you? Um, that, that you might yeah. be right on about that. I'm um, completely wrong on Duluth. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did say it would have been Denver, Duluth, and North Dakota. I think were the three that I picked, and swing and a miss on Duluth. But well, and right now, who knows with North Dakota? That's yeah, yeah, uh, getting swept uh, at home against Denver. Uh, mm-hmm. We're kind of going out of order here. We're doing a hockey East before NCHC. What was the world come to, but, uh, Denver getting a sweep at the Ralph, uh, after travel delays too, after, after travel delays, it's almost like they were playing or it was like an Omaha weekend for them. Like, uh, yeah. usually the other way around there, but, uh, so Denver, good weekend, uh, Duluth, uh, you know, losing, losing in regulation to Omaha and then winning in overtime against Omaha. Still, it's just not another another disappointing weekend from Duluth's perspective. Yeah. I, I I love it. If there's a tournament without Duluth in it, uh, praise <laughs> praise the Lord. Yep. But I'm still they're just they're Duluth. I mean, they do this. They've done the sleepwalk thing through Christmas and then turn it on in the second half. I'm I'm frustrated the Huskies because we always play them twice in the second half, maybe once or twice we've played them in the first half of the year. I think this is going to be a perfect time to just get Duluth while they're fat here. Um, But uh, so maybe St. Cloud has to play them when they're playing pretty well, but maybe that will never come. I'm there. You said, you know, you're unsure of how St. Cloud is. I am just very baffled by Duluth um, as far as, I've never like even when they're winning titles, I was sour grapesing those. It's not like I've always been high on Duluth. It's just I've always thought they've had the rabbit's foot, and maybe it's just not activated this year. I I don't know. Something's up there. I'm not. I'm never going to count them out though because they're Duluth, and they again they have a history of doing this. But again, another weekend where you say, boy, I mean, winnable series there against uh, you know a, a not very good Omaha team. And coming up short, and and then just having to to kind to go to overtime to to get something out of the series. So uh, another sort of lackluster performance there. And then we mentioned the CC Miami series uh, with our CC preview. So yeah, uh, NCHC. It's uh, Denver's doing pretty well. I'll put it that way. <laughs> like they they look to be pretty decent. And that was a good. You know, I watched probably the end of that Saturday game, and uh, it's it's a good. Good matchup, and they they certainly look pretty pretty tough. Uh, and they're I'd say clear favorites at this point to uh, to win the uh, the Penrose. So um, and then what did uh, you 
Did you watch any of uh, Minnesota Penn State? A little bit, yeah, because they played on Thursday, Friday. So I did watch a little bit of that Thursday game. Yeah, and as I as I'm uh, begrudgingly admitting, you know, Penn State is 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 impressive. Um, you know, Gophers being able to salvage the split then on Friday. Who would have thought? You know, we mentioned last week with Providence and UConn being the who had this one circled in September? Who had this series circled in September? Penn State and Michigan State. 1-2 in the Big Ten right now. Uh, <laughs> the Spartans are back, baby. There we go. Um, the ghosts yeah. of Ryan Miller are, are <laughs> coming at, what, Mun Arena? Is that where they play? That's, that's correct. And that is at Penn State, I'm going to say. Checking it right now. Um. Michigan, yeah, at Penn State, Michigan State on a four-game winning streak, sweeping Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah, you can look at, uh, you know, sweeping Wisconsin the week before, sweeping Long Island, um, splitting with you with Bowling Green, splitting with Lowell. You might not be floored by that schedule, and I wouldn't really disagree with that. But, uh, you know, they're relevant. Again, it seems like, I mean, what's the last time that we really talked about Michigan State other than they fired a coach or <laughs> they really suck? Um, 2012, last year that they made the tournament. This is a team with what, three national titles. Um, so who knows if they're back? Like they're they're my new Penn State. Like, is this team for real? Like, and and it's like, is the how about I'll pose this one to you because we're talking about Penn State, Michigan State, two teams that I don't think were on everybody's radar in the Big Ten coming into this year. Does the Big Ten get more teams into the tournament than the NCHC this year? I'm almost thinking that they will. Oh, man. Yeah, if they, I mean, even like, geez, Hockey East gets five, Big Ten gets four. That's... Nine spots out of sixteen already taken up right there. Um, but, I wonder how yeah, many teams I mean, the big. I, I wonder how many teams the Big Ten can get in. Like what their max would be. We've seen six of eight for the NCHC. Can the Big Ten get mm-hmm. five teams in? I wonder if the math is possible. You know, because right now, I mean, you have you have Michigan State, you have Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, probably would be. Well, I would say Michigan, Minnesota, and Penn State, if they're on my percentage meter, they're like in the 80 to 90% range yeah. to make the tournament. But then you have Michigan State, who's, again, trigger warning, early season pairwise, 10th in pairwise right now. And then you have Ohio State and Notre Dame, too, which people sleep on Notre Dame all the time. For, for I, need a, I need a sound effect for too early pairwise. Like, I, I don't know. I'll workshop it. I'll throw something in there. So really, you have six teams here. So I guess the, the lesson of the story is Wisconsin sucks. Not Wisconsin. We don't, we don't have to worry about them being in the tournament. No, <laughs> I, no reason was... for Wisconsin fans to book their uh, hotel rooms in Allentown this year. Um, I was just looking at the... Uh... The overall record, yeah, and there's one team in the Big Ten that's below 500, and and sure enough, yep, that's Wisconsin, who had to go to overtime 
to fend off uh, pesky <laughs> Long Island. Long Island. Um, and they got a test. I will go and call it. This is not really going on much of a limb here. I'd be interested to know what the betting line is on this, but Lindenwood's going to take a game from Wisconsin this weekend. At least. I, like, I'm almost wondering if I want to go with the sweep. Ooh, really? But for sure, Lindenwood is going to win win one of these two games with Wisconsin. Yeah, this I don't. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> go go with the go with the sweep, and then but one of us will be wrong. Uh, or maybe ah, who knows? Maybe Wisconsin is mm. sweeping. But as we've said, Linden, Wisconsin Lindenwood's been puts up ten goals. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't. It's, they they had to fight tooth and nail. To beat the Shocks, um, yeah. So I think I think Lindenwood's going to be a step up in competition here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just as we're kind of going through, looking at the standings here, CCHA, uh, a lot of a lot of just mediocrity. Um. Obviously, at Minnesota State, you know, it's got eleven points. There in the conference, but only four games played, um, tied with eleven points with Northern Michigan, who's had six games played, and Bowling Green is at the top with fourteen points on eight games played in the conference. That's weird. Uh, you know what's weird about you know what I don't like about the CCHA um, schedule? They play twenty six conference games, so that means you're playing thirteen series. Which means there's an imbalance of home series and road series. They're flip flopping. I, I I looked at this like so, and they're only playing they're only playing one team one time, and they're doing that on a two year rotation. So Mankato, I looked at their schedule last year. They played seven road series and six home series, and the extra series was uh, Lake Superior. They only went there. Lake State did not come to Mankato, and this year. They're playing seven home series, six road series, and they've got Lake State as the extra home series, and they don't go to Lake State. So you're playing only one series against one team back-to-back years, which I, you need to rotate that. But you need to either go 28 or 24. You can't have an imbalance of road series and home series, I don't think. Get, go down to 24, and then schedule an extra, uh, have an extra uh, non-conference series to schedule. You got enough like independence. Like the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't yeah. understand because I believe in the old WCHA, there was twenty-eight league games. I don't know why they dropped down to twenty-six. It, I, I don't like the math. So maybe someone can uh, feed that to the Don, and let's see if we can get the CCHA to, to change their as, uh, conference scheduling. As my Gen Z coworkers say, the math ain't mathin'. <laughs> So, unmathably uh, mathing. Yeah. So just, just, just not working out. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just temporary until you know Augustana comes in. Um, and well, that was the that was the um, schedule last year before Augustana was a twinkle in everybody's eye. You know, that was prior to them ever a, t- a twinkle in Raboyne's eye. <laughs> So I, I'm just going to go with bad math and, and we'll just blame Lucia. How about that? There we, there we go. Blah, 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 blah. 21 year old freshman. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, 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 21, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Let's get everyone back on the ice. This game isn't over. 
<laughs> Stop the presses, everybody. Stop, Stop the presses. I remember, because I, I was sitting at the Frozen face-off, and I was scrolling through Twitter, and I'm just trying to decipher what the heck is going on. Oh, I remember and you I'm texted telling- me, and you're like, what the hell is going on in Mankato? And I go, I, I was thinking maybe you had a bad internet connection or Maybe the CHN app crash. I'm like, oh, no, no, Mankato won in overtime. And you're like, nay, nay. Uh, (laughs) Think again. Just uh, Lee Corso, just not so fast. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, yeah. And I'm like, no, like it's something's happening. Like it's still going on or they're reviewing something and. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain everybody like that I'm sitting next to. I'm like, no, this is. Twitter doesn't lie. Twitter never lies. Ask Elon. Doesn't happen. So, um, so questions. Um, we can go ahead and go there. Anything else uh, you kind of want to say about uh, over the weekend? What the other? Well, let's let's quickly discuss here. Um, any other weekend series jumps out to you? Other than obviously, I ran through Miramax next three weeks. So, <laughs> oh, I did. I did want to give a shout out to Yale who uh, extended their shutout, getting shutout streak to four games this weekend. They have scored three goals in six games this year. Uh, All three of them against our favorite team, Brown. (laughs) The Brown. But Yale is given a new definition to hot garbage. I mean, you know, part of these, two of these, Harvard and Yale, uh, Harvard and Quinnipiac, pretty decent teams. The class of the ECAC, I should say. But two, of, the other two of those shutouts at the hands of Dartmouth and Princeton, uh, not the class of the ECAC. And when we're on, and, as we're and, on the and, topic of the ECAC, and combined, letting in nine goals those two games. Yeah, six and zero yeah, to Dartmouth and three and zero to, to Dartmouth. Six goals for Dartmouth's about a month's worth uh, for for Dartmouth generally. And as well, when we're on the topic of the C, of the ECAC, I was I, actually I do want to say quickly that is sure. Um, so Yale's goal against Brown came at the around the ten minute mark of the third period. So we're going on two hundred and fifty minutes of hockey played for Yale without a goal scored. And I also looked the the game that they won the two nothing game. Both of those goals in that game were in the same period. So they've played 18 periods this year, and they've scored in two of them. Um, we could have some fun just uh, with this Yale squad. Keep an eye on them. I'm almost half surprised they didn't get a vote in the Ustro poll just for <laughs> this sort of, uh, you know, incompetence. It is inspiring, I think, in some they, they didn't. They didn't get a receiving vote? The the brown nope. voter didn't move over to Yale after that performance. Did not see that. And the Cornell voter also dropped off, <sighs> which was unfortunate. But uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I have a friend who uh, is an RPI grad that we text. He texts me his RPI uh, sob stories, and sometimes I respond. Sometimes I'm just letting him vent. You know, I don't want to poke the hornet's nest anymore. But uh, he prompted me to this, the ECAC, in early November, you know, uh, November 10th or whatever it was, announced that they're redoing their playoff format. 
the first round, what they do is the for f- top this four year. Seeds. Yes, yes. Oh my! The uh, the, the top the top four seeds. It's a twelve team league. And the to- the top four seeds get a buy. So then it's five versus 12, six, 11, all, and down the line. That has been a, a best of three series at the high seed. And then the winners of that then play the one through four seeds. Well, and instead they re- of the and best they reseed, of, right? They will reseed, yes, yeah. um, through the rounds until they get to their top four teams. And then they play in, it's been in Lake Placid, it's been other places recently, but they get to a neutral uh rink stage eventually but what they announced is that that five through 12 that first very first round instead of being a a best of three that's just gonna be a single elimination series but just very strange and i had to text him back i said huh you know i think that they would have made that announcement you know before they started league play uh and he goes ladies and gentlemen the ecac Uh, he he was not surprised uh, at, at that, um, but yeah, weird weird time. I mean, they even they waited so long that the Ivies had already started play <laughs> when they when they announced that. So that's really late in the season. Um, but strange, you know. We, yeah, no pandemic here to to blame it on. It's not like the NCHC when they announced. You know, I think that was mid season that they announced um, that it was going to be in Grand Forks and it was going to be all eight teams. Obviously, no extenuating circumstances to to speak of this time around. So I'm not sure why they waited to announce that. But again, there is the ECAC for it. That's our ECAC corner uh, of the Huskies Hockey Podcast brought to you by the ECAC. I'm scrolling through Yale's Twitter account right now trying to find the tweet of their last goal. I have to scroll back pretty far. Um, yeah, and so it's on October 30th was their last goal. So they haven't scored in November yet. Through four games. So I want to get like the actual time and get like a running clock of, of like. There you go. It's been blah, blah, blah since. Yeah, oh, you're not even you're not even talking about game time. You're no. talking about I, I want real real life, time. real life time. Be like the national debt clock that just keeps <laughs> like every second just keeps adding numbers. I'm surprised if you're saying you're scrolling through the Yale Twitter account. I'm surprised they have that they have a hockey Twitter account at this rate of of incompetent play on the ice. But um who knows? They got Cornell and Colgate this weekend on the road. So we'll, uh, well, and then they got the under 18 team after that. See if they can actually score a goal against, do they have to Have you seen, have you they, seen that under 18 team? Oh, I'm saying they'll, they're, oh, they'll, they'll lose, they're it. They'll so lose that game. <laughs> but can they score a goal on them is the, is the issue. I, how many games is Yale going to win this year? I mean, they have not been good for a while. And the Ivies, I think, were especially affected by the pandemic, losing a season there. They're affected by the transfer portal because they really can't offer grad student stuff. Uh, I'm not really weeping too much for Yale, um, seeing as they're Yale. But um, but they're struggling to 
get back to relevance. Uh, so this might be a very rough year. I think it was last year they played in Wisconsin's holiday tournament. I was going to say, like, we should get them in, in Wisconsin to hook up because that would be a, a series or at least a game to, uh, you know, that's everybody loses in that one. A 0-0 scoreless tie and like a shootout that goes 20 rounds with no scoring. Just just zero goals. Just no goals whatsoever. That's that would be my dream. The anti-Frozen 4 with uh with Yale and 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 Wisconsin. But uh yeah, it's uh it's interesting stuff. But I think we should maybe move on. I'm trying to tap dance as much. I know that you look like you're looking up something really interesting and i'm sure it's got yeah. something to do with yale it Are, does do you got the time do you got the time clock five o'clock yeah. central time five o'clock central on uh october 30th was yale's last goal it's 14 15 so 15 days. 15 days five hours 23 minutes since you know as we're recording so Maybe that'll be our, our new bit next weekend. Let's see how they do uh, this this weekend. Uh, I, bet you, I bet you Cornell. I bet you Cornell shuts them out. I, oh, yeah. I can't speak for Colgate. Colgate's not very good, but you know, Cornell's not that good either. But uh, they might have a chance against Colgate. But I'm going to say it extends to five games at least. So, oh, I'm my sure gosh. We will you are not going to believe this. The last three games that Cornell has played against Yale. Shut Yale, off. Yale's been shut out. <laughs> <laughs> shut out three nothing, three nothing, four nothing. I might have to tune in to that game. God, and they won a ch- and I saw them win a national championship too. Ugh, no. <laughs> yeah. Don't remind us, Pittsburgh yeah. native Jesse Root. Ugh. That was uh, that was Bucci Gross's, uh every five seconds of that Frozen Four. Pittsburgh native Jesse Root. It wasn't. It wasn't seared into my head. It wasn't Jared Thomas. Jared Thomas. Jared, Jared Thomas. Thomas. Jared Thomas. <laughs> play by play, and it's finest. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm just gonna like this tweet and then come up with something later. I don't know what's gonna be though. Yeah, keep it keep us posted. Keep we're it. we're wrapped. Follow in, my in pr- at more clappers, and you'll be able to find out what zinger I have about Yale. Yeah, uh, if I find out if I, I I'll be monitoring the score very closely. If I if I see a goal, I'll be sure to text. I might a, switch my a, favorites. ASAP. I might switch my favorite CHN team get to a, Yale so push, I get an alert, alert when they if they right. score. There you go. So All right. Um questions. <laughs> Dan Jacobson, how can the Vikings top that game? And uh yeah, I don't know. That was uh I that was quite a range of emotions. Uh, going from, you know, the goal to go, getting stuff, getting a fumble in the end zone, kicking a field goal, losing. 
to winning or to tie game to winning. Anyway, it was uh, it was it was quite the game. And no, there's no way that the Vikings are going to top that. Uh, they're probably just lay an egg against Dallas next weekend. Is probably actually what's going to happen. So, um, is Bassey starting to pull away from Caster as number one? Stats say so, but they're so different. Caster more reactive, Bassey more positionally sound. Um, so, I yeah I, I yeah I think I said that as well. Um, so I do agree with the beer Chucker Jones on this one. Um, that the um, you know, it's Caster does feel a little bit more erratic, but I think he does make some really nice saves. Um, he made still, he, I thought he made some really big saves as well on Friday. Um, but you know, I, I just don't see a downside to both of them. And if they're both hot, I, I say keep it running. Um, but I do think I would give edge to Bassey if it's a must-win game yeah I mean I made my opinion clear earlier I do think that he is pulling away from the competition and I would start him on Friday Bassey I'm talking about I don't expect that to happen though I do expect the tandem to to continue um certainly like through the first half of the year like we're saying we just got the three series until the 2022 action wraps up. I will say too, you know, we mentioned Bassey's side to side movement and knocking the nets off the pegs off. That's with, with this weekend, I'm starting to maybe think there's an issue with the pegs. Yeah. Because, uh, the Western, the row row did that several times. Mm. Bassey, I don't think did it. Um, you know, there was that play where this weekend he was run. This weekend he didn't. That's right. Yeah. He did it, I think, in the Bibinji series and certainly against the Mankato series. That's when he was penalized for it. But and not every goal. Like I don't believe the I don't believe Enright, the uh, Bibinji goal. I don't think he had any issues. But Rose certainly did. And there, I mean, the the pegs are like a yellow color. I don't remember that. I, I always thought they were like a solid metal. I, maybe they are using some new pegs or moorings in the nets. Well, there are, but they're, they're like three different kinds of pegs. There's ones that are the straight metal that I think yeah. aren't used anymore. Just because they're like too, they're like too firm and they're they too firm. They, they, there's right. no give to it. So it's like, yeah. you're running into a post, um, you know, obviously you're running into the post of the net, but like, like it's just, you're, it's not going to have any give. It's like running into a telephone pole. Um, right. So, um, you know, in lower levels, they have it where it's got like a point to the end of it where you, the refs will kind of like, you know, jam it down on the ice to, to get kind of like an indent in there to, and then put the net on there to give it a little bit more. Um, but usually, yeah, in this level and even in the pros too, where it's, you know, it goes straight down and it's supposed to have, you know, a little bit of give to it, but, um, it, it's it bends. So if, you know, somebody runs into it, you know, on the cost of safety, um, it'll still kind of get dislodged. Uh, what I think happens though, is that if the ice is a little bit too warm, that the, it, it's kind of melted around. So it's not, you know, a tight, it's right. not tight enough not type of a seal. Snug. 
so so it's right. so there's a little bit looser in general so it's a little bit easier for the the peg to, or the net to get kind of get knocked off so i think it's an issue with the ice and i don't know if you've ever skated at st cloud state um on the rink there but i've always thought that the ice has a little bit more of a give to it i think it's a little bit mm-hmm. of a a softer ice than uh, some of the other ones that I have skated on in the past. I mean, you go to Sock Rapids, you go to that rink. I mean, that's kept, I think that, you know, barn is kept at a cool 13 degrees throughout the winter. So right. That ice is wonderful. <laughs> um, watching the game, not so much. Um, but I mean, I think the Lumberjacks are having a heck of a year. So I think they're, they're doing well on, on that rink. Sure. But, um, so, and, you know, Aaron on Twitter um, also kind of had the question about how often are you allowed to kind of kick the net off? And, I, you know, I think it's just an issue where St. Cloud, or I, I think it's kind of just the ice maintenance issue that, you know, eventually they're going to have, they'll eventually kind of figure it out. Um, but it's it's definitely an issue that they need to address. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just Bassey and Rowe because I don't believe any of the other goaltenders have had an issue with it. Maybe it's just those two goalies are struggling with it, but the the more that it happens and that it happens to goalies other than Bassey makes me wonder that there is some sort of issue. And it's like Bassey's this is his third year in the NCHC. He's played he's played at the Herb before this year and I don't remember any issues like that. So um, I, I am wondering if that is that is a particular issue there. But, yeah, getting back to the question of, you know, uh, of whether or not he has pulled ahead, I, I do think he has. But I, even though I may, may have thought that Castro didn't play great on Friday, I'm still fine with him sharing the load here. But I wouldn't be. I I do think that Cass, that Baster is doing it again. Uh, that I do think that uh, Bassey is inching ahead here, and um, and I would give him I would give him some that that two day work at this point. But but I don't expect it either, and I don't even necessarily think that that would be a bad move. I just mostly just kind of going with my gut on that one. Yeah, and usually they'll give, you know, the refs they'll give kind of a grace maybe once it happens, but I think Bassey, it was the third time that they finally yeah, called. Yeah, it's like a three strikes, you three know, strikes. you get it you get it two times and then third time we got to call it. Mm. I don't think there's I mean there's I'm sure there's a play where it's very clear that the goaltender kicked it off on purpose. I'm sure they would probably call call it then. If they if they felt it was pretty obvious, but I didn't get the point. I didn't get that um, impression when Roe uh, when it happened to Roe a couple of times that he was doing it purposely. So I, I think Gino Parrish thought he was doing it purposely, but again, he's he's getting paid to uh, to root yeah. on the Huskies, so I, I I expect him to do that. But but yeah, I would say it's kind of the 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 informal rule would sort of be a three strike policy i think with that uh go hussy zulu had a few uh questions uh two headshots in two weeks uh why is chase brand the villain 
uh, for opposing teams. So that's that's a good point because you think it'd be like Cronulla since he's always in the mix for some reason. Again, I don't know why. Um, but with all the talk about the refs and whatnot, still Mietnan, not a penalty called yep. on him. So yep. it's maybe maybe that should be our benchmark. If the refereeing is really that bad, that Mietnan gets a penalty. <laughs> yeah, and then, we know then maybe, something went then wrong. We know or... something's up. Um, uh, two losses. Uh, don't feel like the other team actually won. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think I said my piece on that. Um, whereas I felt like we lost more than the other team beat us. And again, nine and three, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I would have been thrilled sitting at that mark. So that's, uh, I'm really liking where the Huskies are set up right now. Um, maybe a little bit more for you, uh, any Colorado Springs recommendations, um, did in your traveling days, were you able to make it out to Colorado Springs? Did you have, yeah. Any place kind of stick out in your mind? Yeah, I liked, I preferred the CC trips to Denver. I, I did it three times to Colorado Springs. The The problem is that I, all three of those were at their former building, World Arena, which is, from what I gather, this new arena is right downtown, which is close to their campus. And I did not spend a ton of time in downtown Colorado Springs in my trips there. I had a friend that lived not in the downtown area. I mean, the Springs is a huge city, uh, geographically. Like, it's really spread out over a lo- large area. And we went to down the downtown area like, once or twice in those three trips, but nothing that I can remember off offhand as far as where we, where we ate or drank. There would have been more and, and even in that, that world arena was not like, it was like a shot. There was like a shopping mall in that area too. It wasn't like a, I would, I, I really want to go there again because I feel like this ropes and arena, it would be a much better sort of fan experience. So I, I'm going to flip the question on this, uh, on our questioner and I'm going to want them to come back next week and tell, give me a recommendation. Cause I really don't have a recommendation for downtown Colorado Springs but I hope they do because I would have preferred to go to CC over Denver. It just worked out time and uh, in other circumstances worked out better to go to Denver, but I'm hoping to go to CC next year or the year after like soon. So I do want to check it out, but um, I, I really, I know we went to a couple of restaurants, but my brain is so scrambled now. It's like, I can't remember the names of places. Sure. Sure. If I was like to find a map or something, I could probably point out where we were. But I'm, and I'm generally not very picky either. <laughs> like if it's got beer, I'll, I'll, I'll show up. Like I, I don't need to. I, I'm not picky with it when it comes to that kind of stuff. Phantom but Canyon. What I would say, company is right down the street from. Robson. Okay. Bump. Great. We so. did go to. There was like a. See, I can't remember the name, but it was like a brewery that was in an old schoolhouse. And maybe that was like part of the name, schoolhouse something. That was really good. Uh, uh, and if you do like Colorado cuisine, try some green chili. That's kind of a Colorado, New Mexico sort of specialty. Um, if you're a chili person, 
this is a good twist on it. Uh, I would, that's the dish. If you can, and a lot of places will have it cause it is kind of popular there. So if you, um, give that a try, if you're into, if you're into some chili, um, but, uh, it should be, I, it's a good, I, I love the Springs. I love Colorado. Be sure to go to like garden of the gods. If you're into hiking, plenty of options there. So if you're outdoorsy at all and want to make part of the trip that, You've got several great options in that area, so um, have was fun. It, That's a, it's, I'm jealous. Was it a Storybrooke Brewing? It might have. I'm not. I'm not sure, but I just remember it. It, it still even kind of looked like a school, like the inside, even like they kind of built that part of the decor was sort of schoolish. Yeah, it but, looks uh, like like all of the beers are written on a chalkboard. Yeah, that yeah, probably was the place then. So, yep. Storybook Brewing. Got good reviews. Yeah, so, it was good. Um, Out of all of the places, Colorado Springs, I think, is the one on my list that I want to go to the most, like, conference-wide. Um, I'd be kind of interested in seeing Miami, um, but I don't... That's the only I, one that I haven't been to, so... I haven't been to Baxter in Omaha. I was, I've been to when they were still in CenturyLink, went there a few times, but not to Baxter. So I would like to get there eventually. My parents love Omaha as a town. So yeah, I, I, I I don't love it. I I don't hate it either. Um, but, um, when my, when my parents on my list, because I've never been there. When my parents live in Yankton, which is right on the, uh, uh, southern border of south dakota and mm-hmm. nebraska they would drive down to omaha to go to lancers games before they go up to sioux falls um sure to because they thought omaha was kind of a better city and a better um atmosphere and the uh, presentation i think was a little bit better as well i think there's a zoo there too it's a big zoo you know, there's no, I was disappointed by this, talking about travels to the NCHC cities. No zoo in Kalamazoo. Talk about really? a wasted a wasted marketing opportunity. Especially when you could just call it a Kala or Kalama. Kalama You're going to go to the zoo. Kalamazoo in Kalamazoo. It just, it, it markets itself. That's right. And uh, what would it take for NCHC and uh, the Commissioner Weems to pioneer and establish a 90-second review rule? If officials can't override a call made on the ice after 90 seconds, the call on the ice stands. I think I've sort of argued a version of that. Yeah. I don't, I, know, if, I don't know if I said 90 seconds, but it shouldn't need to be more than that. Yeah, I mean, I if you, the, if you have to look have to... for a reason to overturn it, then it's not... I think then it's it shouldn't be overturned. I mean, right. trying to decipher milliseconds in, in in a game like hockey, it's incredibly tough. So, and that's where you know I think that it it would be better if you just you take a couple looks at it, you make your decision, you go on your happy way. Uh, the 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 reviews I do agree um, are getting a little bit. A little bit atrocious when it comes to the length of them, um, which I actually thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought at the beginning of the year, it actually took us a while before we got to a game with the review. At least when I looked at it, I was like, I don't 
think we had a review yet this year, and that was like four games in. And then we had, obviously, quite a few um, since then. In in my mind, every game should be officiated like last year's uh, NCAA game against Quinnipiac. Zero penalties, no (laughs) reviews. Right? It's beautiful. Whoever those refs were, get Weems to hire them. Mm -hmm. Marco Hunt. That's the... (laughs) That's the. Uh, I think he's out of the. I don't think he's roughing anymore. I think he's must be like. I well, think after like, yeah, uh, the way you treated him, how could he? <laughs> how could he still ref? Jeez. Yeah, and so. he did. He wasn't lucky like Don Adam and got promoted into like an overseer of officials. Right. I don't okay. know what he's doing. I think he was like, or was it Shepard? One of them, like someone did some digging, and one was like a meter reader for Wells Fargo or for uh, uh, XL. Uh, you forget, like, these refs are just weekend warriors. Um, yeah. They're not full-time employees. Um, so they got regular nine-to-fives. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so I guess keep that in mind when we're bitching and moaning about them all the time. Nope. But at the same time, yeah, no, it's, it's incompetence is incompetence, whether or not you're full-time or part-time. Yep. So I will be keeping their feet to the fire. Exactly. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to the NCHC and Commissioner Weems. Um, my NCHC uh, pass expired, um, or it didn't renew. Oh yeah, I just got my renewal notice on yeah. that. The the COVID year and whatnot kind of screwed up the uh, renewal dates on everything. I think is why um, people Mine was who- like from twenty nineteen. There was an issue at some point, and I think I had because. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that they still do like a, if you signed up, whatever the price was, but I had to like restart that at some point. So I, I'm, I'm probably sure I'm playing, paying whatever the full price is now, but whatever. I, mm. I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. Well, um, I renewed, but my bank uh, denied the transaction for uh, saying it was a fraud detection. And asked me, you know, sent me a text. Uh, Did you make this purchase? And I'm like, yes. Okay, well, try it again. And I'm like, you know, I've been a subscriber to the NCHC TV, you know, for since the inception of the the conference. And so I got that rate and I was kind of worried I was going to lose that rate because now I think it's up like $30 more from what it was at that time. So I'm like, that's kind of a bummer when it's not really my fault. What was um, that rate? You Nin- said you, you you had the original 2013 or whatever it was? 90 bucks. I think okay. with, or maybe 90. Yeah, it's definitely, 90, yes. It's like 90, total is like 96 or something like that. It's um, definitely way, way more than that now. Now it's, I think, 130 or 125, something in there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I was like, this is a bummer. And, you know, I tweeted that out and Yeah. Uh, commissioner and the NCHC, they were like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead and get that fixed. Um, just make sure your payment info, wow. let your bank know. And sure enough, uh, I got everything sorted out. Transaction went through and I'm good to go. So that's you're telling uh, me that complaining on Twitter worked. You got to here, here's the trick. And people people don't do it the right way. And that's why is that you just have to kind of express it, tag it. But but don't ask for anything. 
you know, usually they'll kind of jump in and get the good press like I'm given. Them. Even though that's exactly what you were angling for. Oh, of course. 100%. <laughs> but you don't, you know, just yell at them. You just say, oh, this this is a real big bummer that, you know, I'm losing my uh, cheaper option because of my bank fraud detection. Sent out a copy of my text message saying, yep, this was fraud. And, um, you know, and like, ta- you know, tag them like, hey. This is a bummer that this happened to me. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. Um, and uh, sure enough, yeah, they reached out, uh, got everything situated, and I, I got the friends and family rate, I think is what they're... So. Look at you. It's right in the book here on also, internet etiquette. Also, if you have a friend who's complaining about that or reach out, you know, kind of in the similar matter, if you respond to them and still tag them and just be like, Oh, I was just thinking about switching to blah, blah, blah. Thanks for letting me know about this. So then the people who are reading is like, oh, man, now I'm getting like we're losing some potential customer, even though if you're not going to, you know, it's like, oh, potential customers are being affected, too. So let's make it right with this person. That happened with my mom once. She was upset about something. And then I I kind of responded on Twitter. I was like, oh, I won't be using that service. And she got a response. So that's uh, that's my Twitter. I mean, now I mean it's Elon's world, so who knows what's gonna what's gonna come of it now? But that's that's how it, I've gotten good success from that. Well, that's good. But again, shout out to them. Very good. You know, because it wasn't my fault, and it wasn't even that I didn't keep updated card information. It was just that my bank was like, nope, you don't you don't get to watch hockey. So, uh, yeah. Well, that about does her. About does her for the. Uh, Husky Hockey Podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Travis at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, More Clappers. Uh, Andrew, you can reach him at our email address. What's our email? Yep, you can reach me at huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. All right, perfect. Sounds good. Well, and until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!